0: Philippians chapter two. If you don't, then open the notes that you have right now. Um, First page, Philippians chapter two. We're going to read from verse four to 11. All right, this is what Paul said. Do not merely, are you guys trying to memorize this passage or not yet? Have you guys been trying to memorize this passage? How about this? Everybody flip the notes uh, backward, and let's try to quote it from brain, okay? No looking at the notes. Let's just try to see if you memorize this passage or try to to memorize it, okay? So here's what Paul said. I think it's verse 5. Do not merely look at your own personal interest, but that of others. And then he said, have that attitude or mindset Come on, guys. Try to help me. That was in Christ Jesus. How? Who was in the very... This is the NIV. In the very nature God. But he did not want to hold onto equality with God for his own... You guys are doing bad. You need to step it up. <laughs> for his own personal advantage. But he made himself nothing. And he... Took upon himself, being found in the likeness of man, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself even to the death, even death on the cross. To the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has lifted him to the highest place. Amen. And has bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Amen. All names. How? That at the name of Jesus, what's going to happen? Every knee of those who are on heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess. What is the confession? Jesus is Lord. And what is the point of the whole story? The glory to the glory of God the Father. Amen. I hope next week you'll do better. All right. It's a wonderful passage. I I try to memorize it as much as you can. So um, we are of week number seven, right? Talking about the power of the name of Jesus, right? We started the first three weeks talking about salvation in the name of Jesus. And then... Next week, I'm going to quiz you guys on that. But uh, this is our fourth week in this passage because it says in verse 10 that God has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And we're discussing the power that is in the name of Jesus. So this is our fourth week. We started first week by discussing the Christology of that hymn, which is what does this hymn teach us about who Jesus is, and his relationship with the Father. Amen? Then we spend the last two weeks discussing verses 6 to 8, and which is the humiliation, how Jesus came down, right? And we said that, he humbled himself or he made himself nothing by doing three things, right? We discussed that in the last, um, in the last two weeks. What is the number one um, he did? He taken upon himself the form of a bondservant. That's the first thing he did. Number two, being made in the likeness of men. Number three, being found in the appearance of men. This is how Jesus humbled himself, came down. And that's what we have been talking about for the last two weeks, right? Now, for the next couple of times I'm preaching, this week and two weeks from today, we're going to discuss verses 9 to 11. And it's the total opposite of what we have been talking about for the last two weeks. We're not going to talk about the humiliation anymore of Christ. We're going to talk about the exaltation of Christ from verses 9 to verse 11. Amen? So verses 9 to 11, that is the exaltation of Christ. This week, today, we're going to study only verse 9. And then two weeks from today, we're going to hopefully finish verses 10 and verse 11. So let's start with verse 9. It starts by saying what? So that, or therefore, right? So whenever you read that word in the Bible, what does that tell you? It tells you that what happens after this word is the result of what was mentioned before that word, right? So in a way, what Paul is telling us is this, because Jesus humbled himself all the way down to the point of the cross as the result of his self-humiliation, God has exalted him up, right? Remember, the whole context of this passage is this, in verse 3 Paul was telling the Philippians to walk humbly, to, to have a hum, a, an attitude of humility, right? And he's using Jesus in a way as an example for that. So in a way, by saying, therefore, Paul is telling the Philippians this. If you have the attitude of humility, then God will lift you up. Amen? And he's using Jesus as an example how when he humbled himself down, God lifted him up. Amen? Now, I want you to notice two different things between verses uh, 6 to 8 versus verses 9 to 11. Again, 6 to 8 is the humility of Christ Verses 9 to 11 is the exaltation of Christ. Just looking at the bigger picture here for a big picture for a second. In verse uh, 6 to 8, Paul was talking about how Jesus, Jesus himself, the son, has willingly humbled himself, Right? But in verses uh, 9 to 11, the subject has changed. Do you guys realize that? It, now it is the, it's the father, right? In verse 6 to 8, the subject, the one who's doing everything in these verses, coming down, coming down, coming down, is Jesus, right? But who lifted, himself, who lifted him up? It is God. That's the subject of verse 9 to 11. Do you guys see that? So Jesus did not lift himself up after his humility. He did not come down and he lifted himself up. He came down as the result of that God has lifted him up. Amen? And again, that's the lesson that Paul is trying to tell the Philippians. If you humble yourself, God will exalt you. Amen? But that's number one. There is a change of the subject. The one who's doing all the actions. But number two, there's also... In verse 6 and 8, you see the gradual humiliation of the Son of God, right? It seems like it happened in steps. First of all, he was in the form of God, so he came down to be in the form of man. And now that he's in the form of man, he came down even to the point of death, the death of the cross, right? So there is a gradual humiliation of the Son of God. But we don't see that in verse 9 to 11. We don't see gradual exaltation. You guys see that? It's all of the sudden, from the very bottom... To the point of death, the death of the cross, all of a sudden now he's where? In the highest place. So when God exalted Christ, he did not exalt him gradually, the same way Jesus descended, but he exalted him once and for all to the highest possible place. Amen? You guys follow me so far? All right, now it says that God has exalted him, highly exalted him, or exalted him to the highest place. The Greek word for highly exalted is hyperepeso, um, and it has two words in it, the word um, Hyper, which is above and beyond. And then you peso, which means to exalt. Literally what Paul was telling us is this. God has super exalted Christ. God has um, exalted him to the highest possible place that you can ever think of. It is the highest exaltation that is ever possible. Amen? So that's what uh, uh, Paul was telling us. And that Greek word super exalt or super high, guess what? Is who's mentioned in the Old Testament in reference to God Himself, and that's it. That's the only time that we see this word in in the whole Bible. In the Greek translation of the of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, Psalm ninety seven nine. Here is what the Psalmist said: For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth. You are exalted above. All other gods, all gods. You are exalted above all. It's the exact same Greek word that Paul is using here to describe how Jesus was exalted. He was exalted above all. Amen? So he was exalted in the same place in a way that God himself is in. The Father himself is in. How high Jesus was exalted? Let's take a look at that. Paul said in Ephesians 1, 19 to 22, Talking about Christ, um, his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty, uh, sorry this is the father, as his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and where? And seated him in the right hand in the heavenly places or in the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and what again? And every name to be invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. This is how high Christ was exalted. He was exalted at the very right hand of God above every name, every dominion, every power. And then it says every name to be invoked. In a way, what Paul was telling us here in Philippians is in a way very similar to what he was telling the Ephesians. That Jesus was given the name that is above every name. Amen? And it's the same thing Paul is telling us here in Ephesians. That he has been lifted up above every name to be invoked. No demon, no angel, no nothing is higher than Jesus now. Amen? Amen. Alright, so this is number. This is how Jesus was exalted. First Peter 3.22. This is how high Jesus was exalted. Who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers, where in submission to Him? This is how high Jesus was exalted. He was exalted above every name to be named. Amen. Do you see that? Do you see from the lowest of all? I mean, remember last week when we talked about the cross and how brutal dying on the cross and how much shame associated with the cross? Now, Jesus went from the lowest point to the highest possible point. Amen? From the lowest possible point to the highest possible point. Amen? And that's in a way... What Paul was telling us here is mirroring what Isaiah prophesied about Jesus even in the Old Testament. Look at this scripture, Isaiah 52, 14 to 15. Just as, look at this, just as there were many who were applauded at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. I talked to you guys about this verse before and I'm going to keep talking about it because it's one of my absolute favorites. What Isaiah is saying here is this. On that cross, because of the beating and the scorching and the mocking and, and the nailing and the crown of thorns and everything, Jesus was so disfigured. You look at him, you cannot even tell if this is a human being. Because of the blood and the muscles and the wounds and everything is just so mixed up. You cannot... Tell if this is a human being or not. That's what Isaiah was telling us here. Again, this is the absolute lowest points, right? But look at the following verse. So he will sprinkle many nations. So look at this. Verse 14 started with, just as he was put to the lowest point. How does verse 15 start? So he will sprinkle many nations. And what? And servants? Slaves? Regular people? What kind of people? Kings. This is the kings, the, the best of the best. And kings will shut their mouth because of him. For what they, have not, they were not told, they will see. And what they have not been heard, they will understand. Do you see that? Is the exact same thing that Paul was telling us in the book of Philippians chapter 2. That Jesus who went to the lowest possible point was exalted to the highest possible point. That even kings cannot open his mouth in his presence. And he will sprinkle many nations clean because of what he has done on the cross. Amen. Do you see how highly Jesus was exalted? Now does that mean? Listen. Is Paul trying to tell us that Jesus was exalted to a place higher than the one he was in before his incarnation? That's the question. Think about it. He's saying that Jesus was in the form of God. He was in the very nature of God. He did not want to cling unto that. He came down to the cross. So God has lifted him to the highest possible place. Now, is is. Paul trying to tell us that Jesus received much exaltation after the cross, that he even went higher to what he was before the cross? No. He's just saying that he went to the exact same place that he was before the cross, right? Remember, he was equal on the bar with God. He was in the very nature of God, and he was already holding equality with God, right? But what Paul was telling us is this, what Jesus did not want to cling unto, what Jesus did not want to grasp at, because that's his personal interest, and he sacrificed willingly, because it was our interest, that he will come down and die on the cross, because he went all the way down for us, God has lifted him up to the exact same honors, the exact same privilege, the exact same status that he was in before his incarnation. Amen? Amen? All right, and then it says that God has bestowed on him, has given him the name which is above every name. Amen. Now the word bestowed bestowed in him. The Greek word for this bestowed uh, is charismai. And if you remember when we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we said the word gifts, charismas, is the same exact thing. It all comes down from the exact same root, charis, which is grace grace or charis. So what Paul was telling us is this, that because Jesus humbled himself all the way to the cross, God has graciously, out of pure, the pure grace of God, he has given him that name that is above every name. Amen? What Paul is telling us here is this, that Jesus in a way did not earn to be equal with God because he humbled himself to bestow upon himself the very name that is above every name was a gracious act of God. Amen? Again, think about this. He's trying to, to encourage the Philippians to humble themselves. So that's what he's telling them. You humble yourself, you walk humbly, God will graciously lift you up. And he's giving them the exact same manner that happens in Christ Jesus. And we talked about this um, the very first week, for those of you who weren't here, when we start discussing this passage, right? And we say that, the relationship between the Son and the Father is this. They are of the same substance, they are of the same essence, but there is functional hierarchy between them. So the Son submit to the Father and the Holy Spirit submit to the Son. This is just pure functionality, has nothing to do with their nature, right? If you guys remember, some of you weren't here, I used that analogy of Katrina and I, right? And I say this story that if Katrina and I are alone at home, there is nobody else with us. Katrina and I have a nature in common that sets us apart from everything else that is in the house, right? We're in the human race, the chairs, the tables, the walls aren't. You guys follow me? So Katrina and I have that nature in us. We have this common nature that we don't share with anything else is in the house, right? But in the same time, functionally speaking, Katrina is is called to be submissive to me, right? Because I am the husband, right? The fact that she's submissive doesn't mean she's a less of a human than me because she's supposed to be submissive to me. Do you guys follow me so far? And in a way, that's how the Bible describes the relationship between the son and the father. The son and the father share the essence of God. They share the exact same qualities that makes God, God, right? But when it comes to function, the son is to submit to the father. The father is not to submit to the son. Amen? It doesn't make him less of a God because he's functionally subordinate to his father. You guys follow me? And we see that very vividly in the passage, right? Jesus was in the form of God, there's no shying about his deity. He, was, he, he, was, he did not want to cling unto equality with God, which he rightly possessed. There is no shying about that. But in the same time, we see that God the Father is the one who lifted him up. Kind of like he has the upper hand when it comes to the function. You guys follow me? Follow me so far? So that God has bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Because of the cross, God has given him that name. Very similar to what the author of Hebrews was telling us in Hebrews 1, 3, 4. Look at this. Again, he received that name in connection to what has, he has done on the cross. He's talking about Jesus and he said, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Amen? The exact imprint of his nature the exact thing that God is this is by way by the way if you ever meet the Jehovah's Witness have them to read that verse from their own corrupt translation it is very Trinitarian even in their own corrupt translation it says that he's the exact thing that God is or something to that extent even in Jehovah's Witness translation so he is exactly like God there's no difference between them and he upholds the universe how hard this is this for him? By only the word of his power. This is how exalted he is, how powerful he is. Amen. And after making purification for sins, through his own blood, he sat down at the right of hand of majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as what? The name which he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Do you see that? It's because he has came all the way down to the cross and has purged us with his blood on that cross. He has inherited, he has received a name that is far more superior above every name could ever be named. Amen? You guys see that? So Jesus received that all-powerful uh, the name that is about with every name in connection to what he has done for us on the cross because of what he has done for us on the cross as a gracious act of God the Father. So what is that name? Well, Greek scholars or whatever commentators argue about it. Some say it is the name Lord because it says the very end the confession is Jesus is Lord. They're saying that, some arguing, that the name that is above every name that Jesus has received is Lord. And now we can call him Lord, which is very synonymous, um, is the exact same thing like the name of God in the Old Testament, Jehovah, Lord. So some argue that it is the word Lord, others argue that it is the word Jesus, the name Jesus, right? Now, um, this one commentary, which I absolutely like, says that most reputable Greek scholars agree that it is the name Lord. Here's my take on that, okay? Most reputable Greek scholars are wrong, okay? (laughs) Because the text is pretty clear, okay? It says that God has given him the name that is above every name. How? That add the name of Jesus, not the name of the Lord, right? At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Confess what? That Jesus. Again, he's the subject. He's the focus. He's the center that God has lifted him up all the way up. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? Here's just uh, why they think that. This is just funny. If you look at the... The two options. The first paragraph it says that they say that God has given him the Lord, the the name Lord because it says after that, not at the name, uh, not to the name of, to to Jesus name, but to the name of Jesus. That's what they say. the The Bible say, it doesn't say that God has lifted him up, give him the name above every name. That to Jesus name, every knee will bow, but. To the name that belongs to Jesus. That add the name of Jesus. The name that Jesus possesses, which is Lord. Right? This is what happens when you're full of yourself. Amen? It's just very simple. The name of Jesus is Jesus. Right? That's just simple as that. Amen? So, um, what is that name that is above every name? It is the name of Jesus. Amen? And we're talking about the power of the name of Jesus. Amen? Next week, we'll discuss more of how is that the name that is above every name when we discuss verses 9 and 10 or 10 and 11. 10 and 11. But now let's just pause. And I want to show you how the name of Jesus is just above every name. Amen. And that his name is stands on the bar like the same, of Je- the same name of Jehovah in the Old Testament. It is the exact same thing. Ready for this? This is good. This is going to blow your mind away. Let's just draw a quick comparison between the name of God in the Old Testament and the name of Jesus in the New Testament. Amen. Number one, we do things in his name. That's in Micah 4, 5. What does the Old Testament say about the name of God? For all people walk each in the name of his God, but we walk in the name of Jehovah, Yahweh, our God forever and ever. So in Micah, we say that we do things in in the name of the Lord. How about in the New Testament? Look at this, Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all. How? In the name of the Lord, right? In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do you see that? The Old Testament, we do things in the name of Jehovah. The New Testament, we do things in the name of Jesus. Amen? Number two, his name is to be glorified. Look at that. Isaiah 24, 15. Therefore glorify the Lord in His uh, in the dawning light, the name of Jehovah God of Israel, in the coastlands of the sea. Glorify his name, Isaiah said, right? How about the New Testament? Look at this. 2 Thessalonians 1, 12. That the name... Of, not Jehovah, but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be what? Glorified in you and you in him. According to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we do things in his name. We glorify his name. Number three, there is salvation in his name. We already mentioned that, but might as well read through it again. Proverbs 18, 10. The name of Jehovah, the name of the Lord in the Old Testament is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and he is saved. Amen. Psalm 54, 1. Save me, O Lord. How? By your, O God, by your name. Amen. Joel uh, 2, 32. We read that. We preached on that before. Whoever calls upon the name of Jehovah. In Joel, it says Jehovah will be delivered. Right. So the Old Testament tell us that there is salvation in the name of God. Salvation in the name of Jehovah. How about the New Testament? We've been talking about that for weeks. Amen? There is salvation in the name of Jesus. Matthew 1, 21. You shall call His name Jesus because He shall save His people from their sins. Acts 4, 12. Nor there is salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Amen? And we said that Paul had no problem applying that scripture of Jewel to Jesus in Romans 10.13. Whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Amen? There is forgiveness in the name of Jesus. We mentioned that before. Acts 10.43. Whoever believes in him will receive what? Forgiveness, remissions of sin. How? Through the power of his name. Amen? First John 2.12. Your sins are forgiving you. Why? Because you're good people? Amen because you tried hard because you passed the benchmark no none of that because of his name's sake amen there's justification in the name of Jesus first corinthians 6:11 but you were sanctified you were justified how in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our god amen Do you guys see the similarities between what the Old Testament tells us about the name of Jehovah, the name of God, versus what the New Testament tells us about the name of Jesus? Amen? Number four, his name to be called upon. We call upon the name of Jesus. But in the Old Testament, we see that we call upon the name of Jehovah. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all those who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. So you call upon the name of the Lord, call upon him, and he will be close to you. Amen? How about in the New Testament? Does the Bible tell us that we call on? The Lord through Jesus? No, you call to Jesus right away. 1 Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God, which is in Corinth. To to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. With all who in every place call upon, which name? The name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Both theirs and ours. Amen. Acts 9 to 21 immediately that's Paul he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God then all who heard were amazed and they said isn't this the one who destroyed those who did what? called upon his in the name of Jesus in Jerusalem and came here for that purpose, we are to call upon the name of Jesus just in the Old Testament, the Israelites were calling upon the name of Jehovah, amen? amen. Number five, we are to suffer for His name, amen? Look at this, Isaiah 66:5. Uh, 5, Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at His word, your brethren who hated you, who cast you out for, why? my name's sake. This is God in the Old Testament saying they hated you, they persecuted you for my name's sake. The, the Israelites were persecuted for the sake of the name of Jehovah. Let the, um, for my name's sake, say let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy, but they shall be ashamed. Now, how about the New Testament? Look at this. First Peter 4.14 If you are rivaled for the name of the name of God I mean there's nothing wrong to be ashamed because of the name of our God but the Bible in the New Testament equate the name of Jesus with the name of Jehovah in the Old Testament right he said that if you are persecuted for the sake of the name of Christ guess what you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you Acts five forty to 41 they commanded that they should not speak why? In how? In the name of Jesus and let them go. So that they departed from the presence of the counselor, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the sake of who? His name, the name of Jesus. Amen? Acts nine sixteen. For I will show him, this is Jesus talking to Ananias, he said about Paul. For I will show him how many things he must suffer. How? Why? For my namesake. Do you see that? We are to suffer for the sake of the name of Jesus. Amen? Just like in the Old Testament, the prophets and God's servants suffered for the sake of the name of Jehovah. Amen? Finally here we are to gather in His name. Jeremiah three seventeen, And all the nation shall be gathered to where? To what? To the name of Jehovah, to Jerusalem. No one uh, shall they follow that dictates of their own evil hearts. But how about the New Testament? Look at this. Matthew 18:20. For Wherever two or three are gathered together for how? In my name, Jesus said, I will be there in their midst. Amen. Do you see how the name of Jesus is truly above every name to be named? You know why? Because it's on the bar with the name of Jehovah, the name of God in the Old Testament. Amen? Let's just call these six things together and then we're going to close. We are to, let's call them together. We are to do things in His name. Amen? We are to glorify His name just like the name of Jehovah. We are to be saved in His name. Amen? Amen? And we are to be calling upon His name. We are to suffer for His name. We are to gather for His name or to His name. Amen. Now He is so high. he's above every name to be named. Amen. Today let's just give thanks to the Lord who has been lifted up all the way up. That He has been given, graciously given the name that is above every name. Amen. Let's all stand and just take a minute or two thanking him for what he has become after his cross. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Yes, Lord.